0: Yo, yo, yo! What's up, y'all? Welcome to Positively Cynical. Here we are with another episode. I am Jose. Introduce yourself, sir. What's up? Question here. What's up, world? How's it going? What's up, Jose? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing really well. It's early in the morning on a Sunday as we record this. Uh, as usual, as, as I often do, I record any podcasts that I do as podcast plural, which is kind of fun, right? Uh, I record in the morning. So as often as I can, um, so I got my cup of coffee or I finished my cup of coffee, but I'm good. I've had a couple of cups of coffee. Uh, I drank my water. I had my snacks for breakfast. I took my dog to the park, awfully showers. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a burst of sunshine every morning when I take Ophi the park and like watch him play with his puppy friends so yeah i'm 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 great man i'm good i'm fantastic it's it's good sounds like that caffeine is hitting you um i mean (laughs) at this time in the morning yeah i want to be a little amped up to have this conversation with y'all but you know let's let's uh pretty much get right into it the quick uh, announcements and disclaimers beforehand. Of course, we are recording remotely, so if there are any sound issues or artifacts, you can slide up in our DMs or email us. Uh, you can email us at PositivelyCynicalPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, positively cynical on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at CynicPositively. Slide up in there. And, of course, again, uh, to support your favorite podcast crew, like, rate, share, and subscribe, Comment on our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever all your favorite podcasts are sold. Um, and yeah, check us out on social media and on your podcast platforms. Anyways, after all that, let's get right into it. This week's episode is, uh, we're going to have a little more fun with this one, even though this is uh, yet another dangerous character after like a few weeks of dangerous characters that we've addressed in our most recent episodes, because uh, I leaned on you again for Derek Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin, I fucking can't say his name. It's, it's Chauvin, Chauvinist, Chauvinist, Derek Chauvin. He's a fucking male and racial Chauvinist. Derek Chauvin and Bill Cosby, like I said, I promised you this week that I was not going to lean on you as much emotionally and we're going to have a little fun with this one because this week we're going to talk about uh, Tucker Carlson and all of his whatever he is, uh, among other things. So he's in the news recently, uh, right question? What exactly is he in the news for, as you understand it? Well, he's always in the news nowadays. Yeah. He just always
1: finds his way into the political conversation, to the national conversation, but today's what's up with tucker scenario seems to be what is it he's getting spied on by the nsa Mm -hmm. all all of a sudden he's apparently worthy enough of being spied on so you know as he would say what about that what's going on
0: there what about that what is that i don't get that do you do you think what is like yeah right so um he's in the news because of He's alleging that the NSA is spying on him, right, which, of course, is most likely a complete bull lie. But here's the observation I told you about before the podcast that kind of struck me about Tucker Swanson McNeer Carlson. And we'll get into his bio in a second here so we can mm-hmm. provide that much-needed context that we like to provide in all of our episodes. But so you know that show that we've seen a few episodes of recently, Modoc. Oh yeah, he sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. like Patton Oswalt. If you really listen to the two of them side by side, and I know this also because I was watching him at like uh like some event where he was a, the the public guest speaker, and you know we've just recently seen a few episodes of Modoc with Patton Oswalt, and Modoc being the the MCU character that. Patton Oswalt does the voice for in this cartoon, and side by side they kind of like sound the same. This they very much sound the same, especially when Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson is in his element. And as he said in in this uh, in this particular speech uh, in California, he was uh, with the with his people. He so he's from California, and he was speaking to a crowd of basically all rich, white, uh, paleo conservatives, probably like him. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, it's good to be here in California uh, with people that I recognize, people that I grew up with more specifically. So he kind of put that out there as he very much does very often in his show and in his public appearances. He's I mean he's a oh he is a white nationalist. There's really no no getting around it. What do you think? Well, he says he's not. He says he's every, not. <laughs> every
1: time that um people accuse him of being one, he vehemently for him denies that. Um, even though he then turns around to show white nationalist tendencies. So he might speak out of one side of his mouth, but he's definitely doing what he says he's not doing more often
0: than not, especially on his show. I mean, it's not just us saying that either. Right. Because so, well, no, it's
1: everybody that, I mean, let's bottom line. It doesn't watch or listen to Fox news. I mean, he caters to a certain audience and I mean, he does have a delivery that's, for me, nails in a chalkboard, uh, but seems to be what is that? palatable.
0: Yeah, that I that, don't get that that. Can you can you explain that? Because I don't really see that in America <laughs> right now. Do you? Oh no, not at all. Not at all. Especially That's not that's the right America I the grew up in. That's not <laughs> the America any of us grew up in. That's not the America that any of us wanna grow up in. Right? It's like kind of that nails on a chalkboard. Rhetorical is, question is, approach. And just to constantly is, interrupting people. Yeah, I was going to say, it right now? is this the
1: part where you basically load up a rhetorical question that scares the hell out of everybody? And then you try to answer that question by saying, what is that? Why is that? Over and over again. And then you have somebody come on your show, give them about 30 seconds worth of rhetorical uh, of uh, time to retort after you've taken about three minutes of said time. Yeah and then you call them a bully, and then you go to commercial.
0: (laughs) You're a bully, and you're trying to talk over everyone, and I don't really like what you have to say, and you want to tell everyone that doesn't agree with you to just shut up and sit down, and that's not what America is, or whatever the hell it is that that he tries to say all the time. Some variation thereof. That's basically every night on the Tucker Carlson show. Well, to the point of him being a white nationalist, though, when I was saying it's not just us saying this, and it's not just, say, pundits saying this, like you said, people who don't watch Fox News, right? And pundits on MSNBC, pundits on CNN, I think you were saying that there's something on CNN right now that you might observe and kind of catch in the background while we're doing this episode that is about Tucker Carlson. So it's super fucking topical right now. But Well, there's apparently a thing called
1: Tuckerism, which I literally just found out about, oh,
0: about 18 minutes ago. But I guess we already know Um, what it is, right? It's interrupting people and asking a lot of rhetorical questions in a really high-pitched voice that gets higher and higher as the interview continues. And then you laugh at people. Oh, oh, here we go.
1: Talking with Tucker Carlson, the most powerful conservative in America.
0: Yeah. He's the new Bill O'Reilly, new Rush Limbaugh. He's all of those people rolled into one
1: but a lot of it see the thing is it is all connected in the sense of if you give someone the platform and they yell loud enough i mean wouldn't they just become the most quote unquote trusted voice on this
0: subject i mean that's how trump got elected in a way he was on the platform he screamed loud and he became president there's literally on cnn
1: what is it trumpism Tuckerism and threats to America's democracy. So apparently, there is an author who interviewed Tucker Carlson. I can only surmise that it's on mute. Um, I assume that book is about her interview with him, mm-hmm. and I guess what she has gleaned from observations with him. I okay. This is Tuckerism. I quote: "This is Tuckerism in miniature. He sanitizes and legitimizes right-wing conspiratorial ah." Uh, I mean, just knocked it off the tv okay but i'm well, sure you can continue with that sentence yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah i i had i have all this written down i'm doing more research and trying to make this more legit right so i i looked up some examples on youtube and you know of of speeches by tucker swanson mcnear carlson and i did find interviews by pundits And things like that. And I looked at various YouTube channels and I did some research on various websites. And the one thing that does always come up in terms of the white nationalist talking points is that there's a lot of white nationalists that make the very, very specific point that the person in America that is most advancing white nationalist talking points and doing it better than anybody else to the extent that For instance, Derek Black, whose father founded the oldest white nationalist website on the internet, Stormfront. Derek Black, who is a former white supremacist, appeared on the Van Jones Show and said that his family watches Tucker Carlson twice. The first time, they watch it to enjoy it. And the second time, they watch it to learn from it because he's making the white nationalist talking points better than they are. All right, and that's just one example. Let's continue. Uh, Richard Spencer has also appeared on television. You all know who Richard Spencer is. Richard oh, yeah, Spencer no, sure. was, yeah, he was, he's another fantastic American. I, I think he kind of dropped the whole white nationalist thing recently, and and he's trying to do something even more radical. I don't really give a shit because he's become very irrelevant, which is what I'm very happy about. But Richard Spencer, of course, was somebody that, one of, the, one of these other white nationalist douches that rose to prominence around 2016, around the election of Donald Trump. And he also made the same point that Tucker Carlson is is doing a fantastic job of advancing white nationalist talking points. Uh, James Alsup, who is another noted white nationalist, also appeared on stage. And there's video of this, again, on YouTube. And it's hard to take it out of context when you watch several minutes of someone praising Tucker Carlson at a white nationalist event on his ability to saliently deliver White nationalist Talking Points. And just to drive the point home, the original, not the original, because there's a lot of white nationalists dating back to very, very long ago, but let's say the the modern white nationalist, uh, the OG of recent white nationalists, Mr. David Duke, is somebody else who has been heard many a time praising uh, our good friend Tucker Swanson McNear. Carlson for his very, very well-delivered white nationalist talking points. So, yeah, we're not the only ones that are saying this at all. Well, I mean, he says it better than they say it. Yeah, that's their point.
1: Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I guess you can kind of say as I'm kind of looking at the TV as you're talking. Yeah. um, Like I said, it seems as if – I I wouldn't say CNN. Uh, I guess this new book is called – Tuckerism and so that's where that term is coming from Uh, yeah they have it in quotes for now Um, but if you trying to make it a thing yeah if you well I guess the book is but if you kind of break it down I guess to me isn't Tuckerism kind of smart Trumpism you know Trump wasn't yeah clearly there are people in this country who feel that what Donald Trump said uh, is true He might not have been the best person as far as the delivery or the messenger, but that's where Tucker comes in. You know, he's he's the smooth delivery guy. Like I said, I was trying to uh, sneak a couple of glances at the TV. And CNN basically says something to the effect of the core tenets of when Tucker Carlson seemed to be framing and shaping the core values of the Republican Party nowadays, which, as mentioned, since Tuckerism is Trumpism,
0: wrapped in a little bow tie on Fox News. Somewhat literally, even though he doesn't use that bow tie anymore, right? He kind of oh, the realized. bow tie is off. I didn't rea- well, well. Remember, we saw a couple of more recent episodes, and he doesn't wear the bow tie anymore. I think you made the joke that he has to be uh, well a little more more men of the people? Yeah, he has to be more men of the people if
1: that's the case. And I and I guess to your point, that's kind of where I think that that whole NSA thing is kind of stemming from. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of it is kind of trying to sow the seeds. I think we talked about this before, Mm -hmm. um, of him maybe running for president in 2024. I don't know how, I don't know why, after the craziness of 2020. um, I don't know if it was a media-driven thing or if it's actual talk in some circles Mm -hmm. about this asshole being potentially the nominee <laughs> in 2024. Right. That kind of scares me a little bit. Um, again, to me, since Tuckerism is, I guess, not, I wouldn't say nice guy Trumpism, but smarter Trumpism, You know, I think that he might be able to find his way to deliver that message a little more palatably than our former president did. Uh, which might actually lead to more people kind of eating that up. Then
0: I'll, I'll, I'm rambling. Keep going. <laughs> I can go on and on and on about this guy. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. I mean, if you think about it though, it's like it's not necessarily just uh like nicer uh, Trumpism in that sense. It's more like it's delivered i mean trumpism is still delivered in a way that's coded they're both delivered in a way that's coded right? oh yeah i mean Trump. That's how it's so successful you can't be overtly racist on television or as a presidential candidate or i mean at least not as well, a I, presidential candidate it's well trump it's, was you have but you have to wrap it up <laughs> a little bit that was a little that was that's not completely overt because when you use a specific language that's when it gets very overt but when you say things like... I mean, she did, instance, though. He, well, he well here's the coding, language. Though. But here's the coding, though. Here's the that. There's my African-American. You remember that. Like, yeah, who can forget that? He pointed at some black man in the audience. He was like, there's my African-American. And you know what he wanted to say in his head. I mean, I think everybody knows what he wanted to say in his head, but he couldn't say. And that's just an example of him coding it slightly. What Tucker does better is he, he codes it in sort of civil educated language in comparison to what Trump does, which is still coded, but is, again, it's still not completely overt, but either way, like the, the interesting thing I think about Tucker Carlson is that like a lot of other conservative pundits uh, of, of the most recent 10 to 15 to 20 years uh, I think Candace Owens is another example they started off <laughs> you're just riffing off names that go from bad worse. okay well, the reason I mention her here is because <laughs> they both kind of started off very different as political commentators in their career in the past Candace Owens actually was a liberal commentator and decided to like take down that website when nobody really gave a shit about her and she wasn't a personality and she decided to ride the wave of Trumpism and black conservative trumpism and make that her calling card in order to skyrocket to fame and put her name in the conversation for political office of some kinds right oh god uh, i mean it's more of a, a murmur but it's still in some circles this right? is the, this
1: but this is the bullshit though so basically if you just yell and scream and talk about how basically the government is after you all of a sudden now you're on the you're basically a front runner for some sort of political office on the republican side that's what this is coming to well and 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 what is and not for nothing i never understood that the government's after you but i want to be a part of the government to then do what take it down i never understood that argument being a part of the government to what destroy it from the inside i i just never got that sort of logic
0: well that was Trump's a uh, argument in a way I guess I'm not a insider but now I shall be and I shall uh, drain the swamp was the language he used here's to your point though because screaming about the political class that's destroying America screaming about the elites screaming about all that nonsense is something that's Tucker Carlson's it's it's his the way that his calling card right is his nom de guerre right now is to scream about how the elites are destroying America, how liberals are destroying America, multiculturalism is destroying America. Everything is destroying America, but conservatism, which is probably the thing that's most destroying America and white supremacy and white nationalism. But he used to be, I mean, you remember he was on Crossfire and he was on other shows. He had his own show on MSNBC, did he not? Or CNN? Well, MSNBC. I would- Right? Well, it was on
1: both. I mean, he had crossfire on CNN. He had what was it, Tucker? Tucker, the one yeah. word show on MSNBC. You know, For like three he's a, years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, this is another guy who's. I hate to make more references to, to Trump, but he's kind of failed up. You know, every time he gets fired, he gets a better job, <laughs> and he makes more money. I do. I, I guess that's America in some instances, but it's quite amusing that the very definition of elitism or of elitist is basically talking about how elitism is destroying the world. I mean, as you mentioned, he's, you know, his, his biography and I know you're going to go into it, but you Just know, he's bit, the definition, yeah. he's the definition of elite. And he goes in the show every day and basically says, yeah, these elitists you should be scared of because they're coming after you. Well, I'm scared of him.
0: He's an elitist. Maybe maybe he has a point. We want to talk about filling up. Didn't we? We saw on uh, John Oliver essentially that the only reason he has a career in television is because somebody needed to, I think, ask a question of someone when he was with the <gasps> Weekly Standard or something oh, like that's that. Right. They needed somebody he was- to appear on television, and they just basically grabbed him and said nobody else can or wants to do it, so. Can you? And he, like, he was hey, literally, yeah. He he was literally at the right place at the right time.
1: I mean, that's literally, what privilege
0: is supposed to be. That's what the privilege is defined as. But that's another conversation altogether that I can't wait to have. But yeah, in in referencing how he used to have these conversations, there have been televised interviews where he's criticized someone like a Pat Buchanan, like a Bill O'Reilly, for doing exactly what he does now, which is. Dramatize this other, this enemy, this outsider that's trying to destroy him and America from within. Uh, it, it's it's a playbook that he used to criticize. He quoted his quote was for Pat Buchanan that was all a little much, and now it's what he does all the time since 2016, since he came back to prominence and got his show in the Trump era, which I think he knew was kind of going to be. An opportunity for him to adopt a new persona. And that's what he did. Well, he's trying to
1: oddly enough appeal to the working class by scaring the hell out of them that the elitists are coming for you. So it's, um I'm it's an odd dy- No, I'm saying it's an odd dynamic to play, but again, you give him the platform. That seems to be Fox News' mo.
0: It's a marriage made in heaven for them. Not so much for the rest of us. So this whole elitism angle. Let's let's put some context on that, right? I wanted to, to talk about a little bit of Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson's background and history. You know the name <laughs> in order to. Well, that's why I keep saying it. I want to drive the point home that that this motherfucker is like. <laughs> let's just talk about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is I from Wikipedia, and I confirm this. I, might, I know you might say that Wikipedia is a terrible source. All oh, this is confirmed. This is his uh, early life and education section on Wikipedia. Carlson was born Tucker McNeil Carlson. To me, it's Tucker Swanson McNeil Carlson. So fuck you, Wikipedia. That's not his full name. Uh, Carlson was born Tucker Swanson McNeil Carlson in the Mission District of San Francisco, California on May 16th, 1969. He is the elder son of artist and San Francisco native Lisa McNeil and Dick Carlson, a former gonzo reporter who became the director of The Voice of America President of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the U.S. Ambassador to the Seychelles. Carlson's brother, Buckley Peck Carlson, later Buckley Swanson Peck Carlson, is nearly two years younger and has worked as a communications manager and Republican political, political operative. Carlson's paternal grandparents were Richard Boynton and Dorothy Anderson, teenagers who placed his father at the home for Little Wanderers Orphanage, where he was adopted at the age of two years old by upper middle-class couple Carl, a tannery worker of Swedish descent, and Maynard Florence Carlson. Carlson's maternal great-great-grandfather Cecil Lombardi immigrated to New York from Switzerland in 1860. Carlson is also a descendant of Massachusetts politician Ebenezer R. Hoare, and is a great-great-grandson to Californian rancher Henry Miller. Carlson himself was named after his great-grandparents J.C. Tucker and George McNear. Carlson is of English, German, and Swiss-Italian ancestry. In 1976, Carlson's parents divorced after the nine-year marriage reportedly turned sour. Carlson's father was granted custody of Tucker and his brother. Carlson's mother left the family when he was six, wanting to pursue a bohemian lifestyle. When Carlson was in first grade, his father moved Tucker and his brother to La Jolla neighborhood of San Diego, California, and raised them there. Carlson attended La La Jolla Country Day School and grew up in a home overlooking the La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club. His father owned property in Nevada, Vermont, and islands in Maine and Nova Scotia. In 1984, his father unsuccessfully challenged incumbent Republican Mayor Roger Hedgecock in the San Diego mayoral race. Just a little bit more here to give that context. In 1979, Carlson's father married divorcee Patricia Caroline Swanson, an heiress to Swanson Enterprises, daughter of Gilbert Carl Swanson and an niece Senator J. William Fulbright I'm getting ahead of myself here Though Patricia remained a beneficiary of the family fortune The Swansons had sold the brand to the Campbell Soup Company in 1955 And did not own it by the time of Carlson's father's marriage Carlson was briefly enrolled at College de Le Mans A boarding school in Switzerland But says he was kicked out He attained his secondary education at St. George's School A boarding school in Middletown, Rhode Island Where he started dating his future wife Susan Andrews, the headmaster's daughter he then went to Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, graduating in 1991 with a BA in history. Carlson, Carlson's Trinity yearbook describes him as a member of the Dan White Society, an apparent reference to the American political assassin who murdered San Francisco mayor George Moscone and supervisor Harvey Milk. After car- <laughs> after college, Carlson tried to join the Central Intelligence Agency but his application was denied after which he decided to pursue a career in journalism with the encouragement of his father who advised him and I'll add famously that they'll take anybody and that's where we <laughs> that's that's the early life and education of Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson and that's right he wasn't born Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson he only married into the Swanson fortune uh, or his father married into the Swanson fortune so okay. wow I want to start here, actually. I, I, there's, here's something that stood out to me, and I want to have a conversation about this on a future podcast. We're going to get real philosophical. We're going to get real spiritual. But I have a theory of how a lot of people end up the way that they do. And it, you know, I know it's very complex in a way how people sort of end up in the situations that they are and have the desires that they do. But there's a couple of things that I think simplify it, and I think simplifying sometimes these complex ideas in our lives is the best way to act on them. I want to have another conversation about that. But what something that I noted here is... <clears throat> Carlson's father was granted custody of Tucker and his brother. Carlson's mother left the family when he was six, wanting to pursue a bohemian lifestyle. Didn't you read an article about how he misrepresented like a like a, a, a middle school or grade school teacher of his as bohemian and liberal yeah like what was that article well, uh, that you read no i think
1: there was an article i came across i think it was a few days ago where i guess you read a book not too long ago where he basically goes off i think on his first grade teacher mm-hmm. uh basically saying that uh What she taught and how she taught, uh, he wasn't really too fond of. I think he did use the word bohemian and basically called her a hippie. Mm -hmm. And She uh, said she cried in the classroom, I think. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, I think think he said that she was too emotional and that she, I guess, had her feelings on display too much in the classroom. So long story short, he more or less shit on her in the book, um, said that he didn't get eaten. I guess, quote, quality education and had and his dad had to get a personal tutor in order to finish, I guess, the first grade. But I think somewhere in the article, it states that at least the teacher mentioned that the personal tutor that Tucker ended up hiring was her. Yeah. So I, see that. Um, I guess to piggyback off of what you're saying, um, that kind of did stand out to me, too, of the whole, you know, the mother left um or I guess they divorced and he, the father got custody so, and the mother pursued a more bohemian lifestyle. Um, the first thing that came to mind and it's kind of amusing. Um, he kind of Flanders his mom in a sense. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the episode of the Simpsons where they talk about Dutch Flanders is his history or his background. I don't think um, so. Go, go ahead and explain it well, for the context that we're looking at. Well, real quick. Um, Ned Flanders on The Simpsons, at least way, way, way back when, when it was a new show. Um, His parents were seen as beatniks, you know, in the 50s. You know, those uh, like the pot smoking, you know, bongo playing poets and stuff that used to play in the jazz clubs back in the day. Mm -hmm. And Flanders basically was uh, disapproving of that lifestyle. And you know how it is like there's sometimes I think you're mentioning like, you know, kids sometimes a reflection of their parents either a carbon copy or the exact opposite in a sense
0: i think um, i'll mention that about my dog but that's definitely true about parents too it was, yeah I, it was just kind yeah. of a reflection of that same conversation about kids like yeah dogs dogs mirror their parents and and similar things with kids and and their their human parents i guess yeah but. i think a
1: lot of it has to do or a part of it i'm sure deep down um you know there there's some issues there I don't know if it's a fear of rejection. I mean, I don't want to get all psychological, but I know, do. I'm sure that I'm sure that there are definitely issues as far as, you know, how his relationship with his mother is. And at least to me, one thing that stood out, I didn't realize he was born and I guess raised for a part of his life in San Francisco, which you talk about Los Angeles a lot, I believe. Well, yeah, but you know, he's, I think he mentioned he was born in San Francisco Um, I think he was raised, he was, you know, he went down to Southern California, but Mm -hmm. um, it's quite, yeah, it's quite interesting and I have to say quite amusing that he was born in what he would call probably like the seventh circle of hell, because isn't San Francisco pretty much
0: hell on earth to people like him? I mean, he described himself as a member of the Dan White Society in his yearbook, which again is probably a reference to. The murderer of George and Harvey Milk in you're, San you're, Francisco.
1: I, I mean, you're you're gonna be wow. I mean, that also kind of was a mind blower too. I mean, um, for for be-
0: reference, the the Harvey Milk was the the first gay poli- uh, person that held political office like in anywhere in a any major city in America, I believe at the time. Correct, so. And that was in in nineteen seventy. In this late seventies, I think. Six, it was. I believe. Yeah, I think it was late seventies. So I was 70- he was murdered 80-ish. by by a political opponent and a bigot, and he he yeah they they walked into his office and shot him. So apparently, Tucker Carlson is is making light of that in his Trinity yearbook quote, and he's from right. San Francisco. So that's a, a whole hell of a lot of wild context.
1: Yeah, it's I'm saying that that's it's. Uh, there were some eye-openers uh, that you mentioned while you were talking. Um, I, I, to me, it kind of puts him in a little more context as far as where he's coming from and how he got
0: to be the way he is. Now it kind of makes a little more sense to me. You figure, um, yeah, when, when he was growing up, he, after his mother left, he had his his feelings of reject, rejection, first of all. So. When you were a little kid, you attach like an archetype to those things that make you feel rejected and those people that make you feel rejected, I would imagine, right? You know, if it was your mother that left you and they were a a bohemian beatnik, then for the rest of your life, you're probably going to have some issue with bohemian beatniks and people who want to live that kind of lifestyle. And then I'm sure you have, you know, your father in this instance, probably telling you how terrible your mother was for her whole life, probably telling you how terrible those people are to in quote, quote, unquote. Again, referring to Bohemians and you know, people who want to live a different lifestyle and probably women, you know, probably like the evil women who, who leave their poor kids and leave their poor rich husbands. Uh, never mind that, you know, it's a horrible thing to leave your children in the first place, but it must be so, quite, quite an event and quite a person uh, in referencing Tucker Carlson McNeil Swanson or Tucker Swanson McNeil Carlson's dad. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like that Daily Show thing you were watching, right? Tucker, when, what, Tucker Monsoon is. McNeil Tonson or some, some crap like
1: that. Was it Tucker Seamus McDuck Carlson?
0: Yeah. Among, yeah. Others? <laughs> among others. But he, that had to color like who he is now. But again, he wasn't always leaning into it quite this much, or maybe he wasn't confident enough to do that. And he tried to speak the, the moderate speak as a younger man. And now he's just a old angry curmudgeon that wants to speak his truth. I mean, who the heck knows? well there's also a lot of money
1: you know in anger when you start questioning well, he, things he doesn't need money <laughs> oh no he's loaded right he's he's he was born with the silver <laughs> shit a golden spoon in his mouth not even silver he said it himself basically i mean i not know his words
0: it. he would brag he about, about, it about on, yeah on, on his the show of his friend Bubba the love sponge
1: yeah and, and another uh shining example of
0: decency and morality Bubble bu- the love sponge well that was yeah. almost like a like a donald trump um howard stern kind of relationship <laughs> between him and Bubble the love sponge right because it's like a shock jock radio host yeah whose whole yeah. job is to get you to say controversial shit but in the case of somebody like donald trump or tucker swanson McNeil carlson um tucker tucker whatever the fuck his name is uh it's not that hard to get those controversial quotes out of him, including as you reference the, the ones where he says he's loaded, he's never had to worry about money a day in his life. He's definitely an elitist. He's admitted to being a part of the elite that he now rails against. Uh, so it's, it's just more context for what a false person he is with his constant rhetoric and his constant attempts to shut down conversation and twist conversation and, uh, point out things that aren't problems in order to distract from things that are, like white nationalism and white supremacism. Well, he doesn't really help move the conversation along. Um,
1: you know, he <laughs> it's very interesting. He's hes come a long way. Um, you you kind of see the evolution of Tucker through the years on TV. You see you know, him on CNN, you know, a young fledgling bow tie wearing screamer and yeller of conservative values on the right side of the crossfire desk. And Dancing
0: with the Stars contestant.
1: Was he, oh boy.
0: Season three. So many layers
1: to Tucker, huh? Yeah. So
0: This was probably around the time that he was trying to like make people like him on MSNBC. As a matter of fact, let's see. Yeah, on MSNBC, he was on from 2005 to 2008 and he did Dancing with the Stars from 2006 to 2008. So he was probably uh, trying to increase his visibility and be like, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a conservative who dances with the stars. And I'm, also, I'm on MSNBC. I'm like everybody's favorite conservative nice guy. Well,
1: I guess to, to go back a little bit as far as the whole, yeah, there's money and anger you know, thing. Um, clearly, when he had people trying to like him, that didn't work right. You know, you can dance all you want to and people can still reject you. Um, but mm-hmm. the minute that you start getting pissed off at things and questioning things, I, clearly there's a market for it, right? I mean, we have a president who basically ran on that, you know, four years ago. So you have your Tuckers, you have your Rush Limbaugh's, you have your, I mean, I wouldn't put Bubble the Love Sponge in that same category, but he's been known to be I guess you can say a conservative shock jock. And when you're on a show like that, right? I mean, he, you have to push the envelope. And so I'm sure that Tucker said a lot of things in an extreme way that he definitely means, but I mean, look at him. He's getting more money. He's getting more fame, more notoriety mm-hmm. by playing the anger card, by playing the conspiracy card. There's money
0: in that. People eat that up. Clearly there's a whole network based on it. The, co- the, the, playbook that he once denounced but maybe I, that could be I mean I believe that a, that is a product because again you look at somebody like a Candace Owens who many years ago might have ridden the too. progressive train uh, in these instances where they were trying to appear like the moderate and now there really isn't a market quote unquote yeah there's no, money there's no money in modernism there's no money in modernism it's it, either or you're either
1: you know I guess what they call far right now or far left that's where the money is. You, 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 I don't think that there's really much of a market in, Hey, let's hear the other side. Cause I mean, who wants to hear that, that, yeah. that, that doesn't, that doesn't make any money. That doesn't get eyeballs to a TV set or ears to a radio. You can't have an opinion where someone else's opinion might actually matter. Not nowadays, um, yeah. which I think is a lot, you know, and it has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, I guess on a broader scale, If you want to open the question up what does his ascendance
0: mean for media in general right and let's yeah i wanted to to tie that into the end of the conversation which is (laughs) essentially should be we we should we be worried about a tucker carlson in 2024 so let's talk about his history as a newscaster i'll break this one down a little bit more quickly i'll just give you some some dates uh and a couple of shows that he was on for context he was on cnn from 2000 to 2005 on the short-lived the spin room in 2001 he was appointed co-host of crossfire in which carlson and robert novak novak represented the political right while james carville and paul begala also alternating as hosts represented the um in let's see here in 2004 2005 he was on pbs uh And Tucker Carlson unfiltered, which ran next to Crossfire kind of synchronously. Um, I think that was pretty short lived as well. Then on 2005, 2008, he was on Tucker, as we noted before on MSNBC. And that show was canceled due to low ratings, of course. Um, Seems to be a trend. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not not lately, though. Not so much lately, right? And his ratings uh-huh. are the best in America these days. Uh, Fox News Channel, of course, he started on Fox and his friends in 2009, and he still does make appearances there from time to time, I believe. Uh, and of course, he was uh, a guest on essentially all of the Fox News programs for some time until 2016, when I guess he rode that wave, uh, failed upwards, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, and he got his own show again, Tucker Carlson Tonight, which is... Uh, been on from 2016 to the present and is, I believe, still the highest rated cable news television show in America right now. So yeah. there's, your, there's your context. There's your sort of feeling upward in a similar way to Donald Trump, right? As we talked about. <laughs> well, I mean, he failed. I mean, think about it. He went from
1: having a show where there were three other guys that he co-hosted with to losing that show, to getting his own show to losing that show to getting his own show again on yet another network where he's making even more money that that's hell good for him. I mean, if I could play that card, you know,
0: should I wish I could? So we, I guess we should hope that this podcast gets canceled, right? <laughs> <laughs> they'll have another one. That's even better than this one. Then we'll they'll fail. One.
1: And they'll have another one with 20 million people watching a day or listening. Who knows? That's and the dream, continue right? Continue
0: to fail upward until, ugh, I don't want to be president, do you?
1: Well, I guess if people feel I could be president, I wouldn't necessarily say no. And I'm sure that's how Tucker uh-huh. feels, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I'm that's sure that, hard. well, I'm sure if the call comes, you know, the groundswell comes from the Republican Party for Tucker to reluctantly mount a presidential campaign in 2024, hell. I think he might actually be compelled enough to do it. I mean, well, hell, anybody can run nowadays, as we've seen, and win. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that he doesn't feel the same way? And you saw the laundry list of people who were thinking about running four years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, I don't want to say he has a case, but other people feel he might. So and you think Carlson is a threat? Should I do. about Tucker Carlson in twenty. Well, again, see, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying as far as media nowadays and what it's classified as. I mean, not just him, but you watch all these shows, and you can put MSNBC, you can put CNN on the same boat. All those shows that come on in prime time, those are all opinion shows. From mm-hmm. seven o'clock, you figure to so what eleven, twelve at night, those are passed off as news. In quote, well, not necessarily. Usually, they do say. If people are watching these solo angry coho no, angry host shows on all these networks every night that people responsible and smart people in quotes would know that this is all opinion based. But when you have something that's opinion based on a news channel in prime time that kind of blurs the lines people see what they see is fact and that's a problem and it's not just him. It's all of them. You can put, Rachel Maddow, you can put uh, Bill O'Reilly, you can put Anderson Cooper, all those people in the same boat as far as, you know, is this news? You know, I mean, you can say that he, Tucker Carlson, is someone to be scared of, but I'm sure on the other side of the political spectrum, they're saying the same thing about Rachel Maddow. As a matter of fact, I'm sure they do, right? So... News isn't really news anymore. It's just people who come on TV, spew a few opinions, pass it off as news, and now it's gospel. They're saying that people on Fox News have to be vaccinated in order to be on the network and speaking, right? Yet Tucker comes on the show every day and questions the vaccination efforts. That's not news. You've seen what's happened as a result. People don't get vaccinated. And then they quote Tucker Carlson, and others of his ilk, and say that because he factually said that, that I now have a justification for not getting the vaccine. I mean, you can feel however you want to about it, but when
0: you're quoting him, I mean, where does he get his news from?
1: I mean, That's what I'd like
0: to know. First of all, I don't think you can really feel how you want to feel about the vaccine, and that's my opinion on that, so... Get the fucking vaccine. It's it's a little ridiculous to feel a certain way about the vaccine at this point. If you can get it, get it. Anyway, that's my opinion, and I'm going to stick to that. The other thing that's interesting is that as you, when you talk about how his news show, quote-unquote, is opinion, there's a court case that actually sort of solidifies this because he was, he was sued, I believe, for slander. <clears throat> I wouldn't see. be surprised. He says
1: a lot of slanderous things. I mean, you go on, you you go on his show. I think when we're watching something with Bill Nye where he was essentially talking about uh, or denying climate change and went into a five minute diatribe about why climate change is wrong. Introduced Bill Nye. Bill Nye proceeds to speak for about 15 seconds before (laughs) Tucker cuts him off and then spews some other crap. You know, the scientist on the show and tries to at least correct him, To then get talked over again, be called a bully, and then tossed off the show. Well, I mean I don't know if he called that news or fact, but
0: that's the the most popular news broadcast in America. The case that's a problem. The case was one brought by Karen McDougal in her account of an affair with Trump. And you know, Tucker Carlson went after her, of course, and it was (sighs) these things were dismissed because, <clears throat> and this was from the U.S. District Judge Mary K. Viscosil's opinion, leaning heavily on the arguments of Fox lawyers, the general tenor of the show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. She wrote, Fox persuasively argues that given Mr. Carlson's reputation, any reasonable viewer, I'm putting quotes on that. Yeah. arrives with an appropriate amount of skepticism about the statements he makes. So this is in in a this is now a court opinion. This is now a precedent that Tucker Carlson is full of shit and you shouldn't take him seriously.
1: Yeah, I read that too, but then to say that you can't sue him because you should go into this essentially with an open mind. I, I mean, that's putting a lot of uh, I don't want to say responsibility, but that that that's that that's giving people uh, a lot of trust there that they can decipher
0: opinion from fact. Well, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Isn't that why we need to be worried about a twenty twenty four Tucker Carlson run? I mean, what twenty twenty four will he run against Trump? Will he run Trump's vice presidential candidate? Like, what do we think is going to happen here?
1: Well, I mean, considering since I've bombarded myself with uh, episodes of the Tucker Carlson show uh, fairly recently. One thing I have noticed is that he's been going after, yes, the Biden Harris administration, but more notably uh, Kamala Harris, quite a bit. Um, There seem to be specials, uh, and I say that in quotes, uh, that he has in the show where he essentially devotes an entire hour to going after her. For one reason or another, that's true. That's, I've heard that as well recently. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of it. You know, I I don't know if he's uh, seriously considering it, but I really think he's considering. It. I think that there these are kind of one of those you know situations where it's saying, I I may not, but just like Trump, what the hell? Let's see how far it goes. I think- Holy crap! It actually might work. I. I, I really I, – I'm a little nervous about this.
0: I think we both agree <laughs> yeah. that he's using his show to point the ire of of the night at uh, Joe Biden, more specifically uh, Kamala Harris. He's trying to attack them and cast them as a villain in his story and somebody that he could, I guess, catapult himself – into uh, a presidency by conquering them, by taking them on consistently, consistently the way that he takes on all of the other elites. He's going to take on the ultimate elites in the democratic party and use that possibly to count. Well, I mean, himself. I mean, if you think
1: about it, the whole, you know, they're spying on me situation. That's perfect grounds for, Hey, that's a good reason to run. What are they up to? Why are they going after the little old me? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. and America, you can help me. Let's take him down together. It just, it, man, he that's just a perfect way just to say, hey, I'm running to protect me and you, Tucker 2024. That says Mexico is not sending his best speech, sort of, right? It, it, it could very well be. Huh. And again, when you wrap it up in a nice little bow tie, or, or you said the bow tie is off, right? He's trying to be men of the people nowadays. Yeah, he's got a tie now. <laughs> oh, see, working class. He's trying to normalize yeah. himself. He's, he's
0: no working class person himself. wears a bow tie. No working class but, person wears a bow tie. Very I, Well,
1: you, you figure elitists wear bow ties, right? I'm sure somebody yeah. probably pointed that out to him. You can't really shit on elitists and wear the elitist uniform, yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm surprised that he hasn't started uh shitting on California more, considering well
0: It's coming. Uh, yeah, but he's gonna have I to mean, shit on California and, and what a like hell hole on earth it's become because part of that is Kamala Harris's fault, right? Oh, that's is, right. Is, is, well her being from there, she's the lead yeah.
1: contributor to the shittiness that is now California. Exactly. <laughs> and it's politics. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't run for governor. Well in honesty. He doesn't well, have I guess, well, I guess he can go after a bigger game, right? He can just go straight to the top.
0: Like yeah, he can go after the very have. big fish at this point.
1: Well, I do Well, Governor Carlson might be just as scary as President Carlson.
0: I mean, uh, you know, having that California, California would be tough for him, though. I think it would be harder for him to be governor of California than it would be for him to be president of the United States. Yeah, but he could probably clear the field if he
1: were that run. If he were the nominee, I granted it's, it's in a recall situation, so everybody's on the ballot. But I would say there are quite a few influential, right wing Californians that would be elated if he decided to run. Right. I think he could consolidate, or he could have consolidated a lot of those Republican votes. He might not have won, but that could have definitely planted the seeds for, hey, maybe twenty twenty four. It's all he still doesn't need to do that though. He just no, has he to doesn't run. because he has a, he has the biggest platform that anybody could have that's running for anything, especially on the right in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Turkey, at, you know, least, at least at least in this country. Yeah, at least in this country. And that's the scary thing. He has a bully pulpit every night. He has more of a bully pulpit than Biden does.
0: You don't see Biden
1: on every day. And yeah, and as we discussed in previous episodes, whatever Fox News decides to put on their air is up to them. You have Biden that's on TV on other channels whenever he makes speeches on CNN and MSNBC. On Fox News, a lot of times they don't show what Biden's saying. A lot of it is bipartisan. That's what the president's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to appeal to all sides of America. They Fox News, in, yeah, Fox News in many instances chooses consciously not to show those. Yet they have Tucker on every night at what eight, just going on and on and on. And again, that's a scary concept to think that you know this guy can be on TV every single day, Monday through Friday, for an hour uninterrupted, just saying what he says, and people eat this up. Meanwhile, the president, well, you can pick and choose because it's our network. That should scare you, too.
0: Yeah, well, question, uh, do do you think that we should stop rambling and end this conversation? Is it time to stop giving airtime to Tucker Carlson? Yeah, I I think so. Are you sure about that?
1: I mean, I could. Go I mean, I don't on. know if it's you're really to you. qualified
0: to give that opinion. I don't think you could. I don't know if you can tell me whether or not we're allowed to end this episode. Go ahead.
1: Well, I, I, I would say that I've talked enough about Tucker.
0: Now, wait, hold on. on. That's not answering the question. You got. <laughs> let, let's get to the question here. You want to answer the question. You're not answering my question. You what you're doing, what you are doing is talking about what you yourself are doing, and I asked you, should we? end this conversation about Tucker Carlson right now go ahead this is the part of the conversation where you then have that no hold on loss. hold on wait 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 that's not again you're not you're not answering my question do you want to end this conversation or not that's that's I didn't ask you what I'm gonna do see now you were talking about what you were gonna do before and now you're talking about what I'm gonna do whereas I'm still talking about what we're gonna do so if you could please answer the question for me it's a simple question it's not a difficult question go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Tucker goes funny? to you. That's not funny. I don't think it's funny. I'm trying to have a serious conversation here.
1: You know what'd be real funny is if you had that Tucker okay. lost in the space look on right
0: now that he does after he does his little diatribe. Well, we don't have video right now. We'll work on it. Maybe I'll do we'll do something like that in the future, okay? But th- you're still not answering the question. You're talking about something else entirely. And now you're now practically you're 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 sniping at me. And I really don't appreciate that because I'm trying to have a civil conversation. You know what, Jose, you were a cancer to the media, just like Tucker. And yes, we should have this conversation. Yeah, we should probably end this conversation here, right about <laughs> here now. Tucker Carlson, if you're out there, I'll debate you pretty much anywhere except for your show and on Fox News because you're a dumbass and you're a piece of shit and I could run circles around you with your pathetic rhetoric. So I would actually put that out there. If anybody actually listens to this and you ever, if, if, ever, if this ever comes across your desk and you feel the need to put me down about putting you down, Come at me, motherfucker. I swear, come at me. I'll fucking eviscerate you. Anyways. (laughs) The hammer has been dropped, yes. On that note, on that note, fuck Tucker Carlson, and we're going to end this episode. I want to thank all of y'all out there for going on this little mini rant with us and on these annoying little side quests where we try to represent the Tucker Carlson experience and what it sounds like and, and what it is like to experience an episode of Tucker Carlson. Thanks, Question, for bearing that with me a couple of times. It's a little rough, but Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. So to end this guys, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to like, rate, share, subscribe, and comment on social media and on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon music, and wherever all your favorite podcasts are sold, comment and engage our social media and other things. And if you heard any sound issues or artifacts in this episode, uh, we did have a plumber actually come in and work in the background. So there was some stuff going on. I'm sure Question heard it. I hope it's not too distracting, and I'll try to move as much of it as I possibly can, but feedback is still always welcome. Get us, get at us at Positively Cynical Podcast on Gmail. Slide into our DMs on Instagram at Positively Cynical. Slide into that DM on Facebook all the same, and check us out at Cynic Positively at Twitter because we couldn't get Positively Cynical, as I reminded y'all a couple of times. Somebody else is, has it and has used it since 2016, so give me that shit, bro. Anyways, thanks for joining us on another episode of Positively Cynical. I'm Jose, saying peace to y'all. Say bye, question. Bye, question. Same time next time. Peace.